I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Does your faith dry up when you're drained? Does your faith dry up when you're drained? You're all drained from time to time, but does your faith dry up? Mine used to. We're talking actually decades ago, but for large young portion of my life, when things would go especially bad, uh, as a young believer, um, I was real quick to think, boy, if you were real, God, you know, if you were really there, if you were real, and I just immediately, it would go to this, this place of doubt. Well, I don't have that hollow comfort of ignorance anymore, because that's what it is. It's just a way to pout through ignorance. I don't have that hollow comfort of ignorance anymore because I've just seen too many scriptures, too much truth and perspective about how, how dad really operates, mixed with uh, too much reality and real life examples, 37 years now on the job here, seeing how the world actually works and what God's word actually says and how it all comes together. So I don't have the hollow comfort of ignorance anymore. So now I'll tell you, I still get drained. This last year, oh boy, it's been a lot of draining moments. But it's different now because when I'm drained, I just reflexively lean into him and say, okay, you got my attention. Because that's what it's all about. That's, that's why we're here. <laughs> that's, why, that's how it works down here. We're his kids and he wants us to grow and so... He allows a lot of things, and he has to get our attention. Well, we're called to give him our attention, morning by morning, by customizing the comparables in the Lord's brilliant prayer guide, what we're calling the LPG, so that we can get a jump on each day by starting out the right way, by adoring our dad with a relational greeting, then revering our creator with respectful worship, then honoring our hallowed, our holy God by recommitting to trusting him this day. Then kneeling, whether it's figurative or literal, kneeling to our king by planning our advance of his kingdom. That we keep one eye on that all day. Yielding our will to our Lord by seeking his and our decisions of the day. Uh, looking to our provider for our temporal and eternal needs, confessing to our judge to wipe our slate clean, while modeling our mentor by forgiving our debtors, those who sin against us. Then following our shepherd by preparing for the day, preparing to avoid or endure the coming temptations, and then clinging to our Savior for deliverance from the evil that's drowning us inside and out. And then as we saw, we seal our day. We a seal right on. Yeah, the seal of praise from last Sunday. With, a, with just a simple word of praise, affirming his kingdom, appreciating his power, and exalting his glory. And then we're ready. We're ready to take on the world, almost. Just one more word here. Let's, uh, actually two if you include amen, but that's next week. 
Uh, <laughs> say it with me. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Say it that way. Forever. We have to take on this word by itself. We have to examine forever all alone. You know why? It's a modifier. It's a modifying word that applies profound power and eternal forever glory to every line in the LPG that comes before it. This is like the big sign-off. This is all, everything we've said now is forever. You see, the Lord uses words like always and forever, eternal, everlasting, a whole bunch of them, but always and forever specifically because always speaks to availability and forever speaks to durability. Jesus didn't just say, hey, I'm with you in this. I'm with you. That, that's good. It's a great statement. I'm with you. But no. He said, I'm with you what? Always. Always. See, it, just, it modifies. Whoa, okay. Not a lot of people can say that and actually mean always. Always. So we've got to look at this word all by itself because the Lord isn't just our Redeemer or just our Father. No, here, I'm going I'm to read the Lord's Prayer from the Old Testament. Our Redeemer, the Lord is our Redeemer from everlasting. Our Father, forever and ever. Your love stands firm forever in heaven. Praise His holy name forever and ever. Your kingdom shall be established forever. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, maker of heaven and earth, faithful forever. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Length of days, forever and ever. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. For his mercy endures forever. Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. Deliver us. Forgive us our sins. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The Lord sits as king forever. He rules by his power forever. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Forever modifies every line in the Lord's Prayer. And more and more I'm starting to think the Lord's Prayer sums up every promise in the Bible. <laughs> every interaction, every relationship. It, at least, it, I don't know, I can't, I can't specifically say I know it's every one of them, but boy, it sure seems to build some awfully big categories that I just keep seeing everywhere in Scripture. But this forever, this eternal, this everlasting, this is, the, this is hope at its source. Eternal hope. Uh, in the book of Romans, Paul wrote the book of Romans, and from chapter 14, verse 1, all the way to chapter 15, verse 13, I can sum it up with this, because Paul is making one huge point, and this point is that what unites us in, to, and through Christ is infinitely stronger, infinitely, forever, eternally stronger than anything that could ever attempt to separate us. Remember the big list he gives of all the, I can't do it. And then he closes by praying that 
that we would do what it takes to come to the fullness of joy and peace that overflows with spirit-empowered hope. I want to say that again. He comes to the end of this thought, and he closes by praying that you and I, that we would do what, because there's something it requires, that we would do what it takes to come to the fullness of joy and peace that overflows with spirit-empowered hope. I want to show you his prayer. Pay attention here. He writes, may the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So just notice that Paul calls him the God of hope. He doesn't say, may the God of joy or the God of peace fill you with hope, but may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Interesting. Interesting. Some Bibles say, make sure I got this. Some Bibles have it this way. May God, the source of hope, fill you. And I like that that... The God of hope, the God who is the source of hope. He's a source. I love this little illustration. Faith is comparable to two old villages. Okay? Two old villages. This one here. The water supply uh, comes from a wide and shallow stream. It's beautiful, wonderful, picturesque. But when needed most during the dry seasons or a drought, uh, well, it would run short dwindle to a trickle and dry up until a fresh shower of rain renewed it. Now the other got its water supply from a small but deep artesian well. And that faithful old fountain would bubble up from below and overflow come rain or shine above. So, which of these supplies typifies your faith. Well, well, artesian well, I hope all is well because anyone, anyone can have great faith in anything and great hope when everything's going, well, great. Because that's when joy and peace naturally run at high levels. But, boy, it's the droughts, huh? The droughts display the faithfulness of our source. And that's really important. The faithfulness of our source. You see, our faith is the lesser half of the equation. What matters most is the object of our faith. What you're putting your faith in. How faithful is that source? You see, here's what Paul's prayer is not. Paul, what he's not saying when he's praying. His prayer isn't that everything will just go great. I'm just praying everything will just go great so you can naturally have great joy and peace. Things don't just go great all the time. That's unrealistic in, in a real world, and that's not what he's praying. Paul's prayer is that yours and my, that our believers, that our one and only source will, will fill us up as we trust in him and thereby dwell deep within to overflow when happiness dries up. To, 
Not only to overflow with joy when happiness dries up, but to overflow with a peace that passes understanding when understanding fails. That's Paul's prayer. And it's very, it's very conditional. Very conditional. He says, may the, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That's how that works. That's how he can fill you. So that... Here's the reason. You may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit when you need it. When you need hope. There are two types of funerals. I've, back when I usually do funerals, I've officiated both, been a part of both. You've probably attended both. There are the inspiring funerals or memorial services and there are the depressing ones. There's nothing, nothing worse than a depressing funeral in this life. The hopelessness of them. But the inspiring ones, there's grief, obviously, but the grief is comforted with hope beyond the grave. At the depressing ones, grief is compounded with nothing but the grave. There it is. That's what everything was heading to, and that's the end, and I guess that's the meaning. But something very, very soothing and special occurs when mourners share this odd mix of sorrow and celebration. There's not too many, I don't know what, what else in this world you get that combination in such a sincere, authentic way. The tears flow with grief and gratefulness for the promise of life after death and the hope of reuniting. That's an inspiring funeral. You see, artesian faith defeats the droughts of despair. Bubbling up. I should say that obviously a life overflowing in hope is not pain free. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not told in scripture to weep not or to grieve not, but to fear not because you have hope. In fact, I found one place, the only verse where I found a command to sorrow not. Look what it says. Sorrow not, you know, as others which have no hope. So that's it. Sorrow not as those with no hope. Sorrow, but as those with hope. And the only time that I found Jesus telling someone who's grieving to stop it, to weep not, Weep not, and that's the line. Weep not is just before he restores the life of a son and gives him back to his mother, and one other time, right before he restores the life of a little girl and gives her back to her parents. But he knew what he was about to do. And all that to say, it's not a pain-free life. No. It's a vain-free life. For outside of our hope in Christ... As the preacher says, all is vanity and a chasing after wind. He goes on to say, and it all ends at the grave. Outside our hope in Christ. But inside, we can begin to see the purpose of pain. You know, Paul was in a horrible prison when he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I love knowing that, where he was when he wrote that. 
Because Paul is not talking about conjuring up some baseless Pollyannish positivity. He's not describing wishful thinking. Okay, they get confused. This, this thing that he's talking about and praying for us for, it's first and foremost an awareness of God's promises. Got to know his promises. But then they are coupled with a conviction of God's reliability. Boy, you got those two things going for you? Mm-hmm. Paul, obviously none too happy in that cold, damp prison, and yet he had the reserves to rejoice in the midst of that pit of despair. So do you think Paul's uh, rejoice in the Lord always conviction came from a shallow, seasonal stream? Of course not. This thing is beyond artesian. It's Polynesian. <laughs> Far from. <laughs> I just I have to be proud of myself for a minute. <laughs> Polynesian. <laughs> So far from a fickle trickle, that thing is old faithful itself. If we rely, you and I, if we rely on circumstances to keep joy and peace flowing, I'm going to tell you right now, our hope is going to fluctuate with life's natural ups and downs. It's just the way it works. But if it's sourced and its one and only source is deeply grounded in God's word, and firmly rooted in the reliability of our Father, Creator, Holy God, and King, Lord, Provider, Judge, Mentor, Shepherd, and Savior, then our hope can't fail. Can't. Can't fail. Because our Father is old faithful Himself. Isaiah, you don't believe me? Well, it says right in Scripture. Isaiah says, Our Lord, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will pray. I know it's coming. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. <laughs> There's old faithful right there. I have been waiting, not because of old faithful. I just, I'm just glad old faithful's in there. I have been waiting to show you this Scripture for two years, trying to find the right moment, because it goes on now to describe what everyone agrees, all the commentators agree is the cross and Christ fulfilling everything and very on the nose. I mean, it's just very obvious. And it has this one weird line in it. I want to show you what it is. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. It will be said on that day at the cross. This is our God. We have waited for him. That he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. It's where he dies. It's where he comes to rest. And Jesus throughout Old Testament prophesied his, one of his names, the hand of God. The hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. We call it Golgotha, Calvary. And he will spread out his hands in the midst of it, in the midst of it, it being this mountain, this mountain where the Lord will rest. He will spread out his hands in the midst of it as a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim. 
This has puzzled people for an awfully long time. But a couple years ago, I just realized it's got, a, it's got a modifier in it. It's not just any swimmer spreading out his hands to swim. It says the swimmer spreads out his hands to swim on top of a mountain. And how does a swimmer spread out his hands to swim from on top of a mountain? Well, I'll tell you, cliff diving is certainly nothing new. It has been around forever, since before the days of the prophet Isaiah, who said he will spread out his hands in the midst of this mountain as a swimmer spreads out his hands to swim. I took a little, uh, we're going to discuss the, uh, the, some wonderful little facts surrounding this in the Q&A. I took a little cliff diving course this week because I needed to know why do they do this and did they do it back then? Would, I, would Isaiah have seen that? The answer is yes. Can't wait to tell you why. I'm never going to jump off anything high into water, but now I know how. So, so what causes one to overflow with hope? According to Paul, being filled with joy and peace. And what allows the Lord to fill us with joy and peace? Trust in Him. How do we trust in Him? By knowing the promises, by knowing His Word. Joy and peace are both listed as fruits of the Spirit, which means they fall into the category of that illustration, the fruit, the growth, the tree, garden. They're both fruit of the Spirit, which means they need to be planted. This is our role. We have a role in this. They need to be cultivated and will only grow as we cooperate with the Spirit of God. And this means two things because they fall in this illustration of the fruit of the Spirit. It means, number one, we cannot produce them completely on our own. And two, we can sure kill them on our own. You ever try to grow anything? Boy, you can kill it fast. It's hard to get it to just grow just right. You usually need help. But man, can we kill it. All it takes is a little neglect. Just don't water it. Here's some, I just got to give you these waterless verses. Our poor soul. This is the poor soul crying out. It hasn't been watered in a long time. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Well, their soul died. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out. They came to the end of their rope. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them for he satisfies the longing soul. Blessed are those, Jesus says, who thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the lame leap like a deer. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, which means you got to know what the scripture says about him. Boy, where does it go from there? Uh, streams of living water will flow from within them. So where are you getting your water? Where are you getting your water? 
If you don't have a deeply established source, you need to start digging. You have to do some digging in his word because you can't trust a promise you haven't heard. Right? But once we partner with the Spirit to irrigate our orchard, well, you'll be overflowing with his promises. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, <clears throat> Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age, of everything. You see, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, which is why we need the LPG. God is not a human that he should change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For I, the Lord, do not change. Is anything too hard for me, says the Lord. When we partner up and allow the Spirit to empower us by filling us with eternal truth, well, we become like that old tree in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, the one that yields its fruit in season because life has its ups and downs and whose leaf never withers, always green, because the Spirit will see to it that in life's most draining and discouraging moments, when our soul is dehydrated and distressed, whether it's because of death or divorce or whatever destructive drought or dry spell, the Spirit will see to it that hope will come bubbling up from deep within. And then though I may be isolated, abandoned, deserted, defeated, or lonely, I definitely will be far and away from being alone. I mean, what will separate us from the love of Christ, right? For this is, this is God, our God, forever and ever. <laughs> All my springs are in you, Lord. Faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which... God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Spring up, O oh well. Trust in the Lord forever. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs 
them all. Hope is not optimism. Optimism, I like optimistic people, but don't confuse hope with optimism. Optimism, to whatever degree, blindly believes uh, that all will be happy and pain-free. Hope goes, yeah, right, right, and looks beyond, hope looks so far beyond optimism that it beholds everlasting reasons for droughts and dry seasons and eternal gain for every short-lived pain and firmly stands and trusts and believes that everything is going to be perfectly clear, just not down here. So now let's memorize together what we'll personalize alone. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.